hosting for your tech life. Proudly provided by WebCenter. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want. all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Well, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for downloading. And perhaps my opening words are an indication to you that this week's show maybe won't be as long as normal. Um, I won't lie, I was a guest of Samsung at the uh, Socceroos game on Saturday night. And for some reason, I thought that if I yelled really loudly, everyone would hear me. Uh, And maybe even the referee or the Socceroos themselves. And um, I've been struggling, (laughs) struggling with my voice ever since. Um, I actually feel like it doesn't hurt, so maybe I should just keep talking and not worry. But when I hear myself through my earphones here, I just think, who's this weirdo with this croaky voice? And I did a couple of new radio stations this week that I've I've started um, uh, in far north Queensland, in fact. And I I said to them beforehand, I said, oh, excuse my croaky voice. And they didn't say anything because they'd never heard me before. So they're probably going to think I'm some weirdo next week or the week after when I sound normal again. I don't know what's going to happen. Anyway, um, so I have a couple of uh, interesting conversations to share with you tonight. The first one, uh, I don't know what order I'll play them in, but um, the first one is with uh, an inventor. A young bloke who uh, was a runner-up in the James Dyson Award a few years ago with a, uh, a motorcycle helmet for police, which had head-up display and data and cameras built into it. And he's since taken that idea to the ski slopes. And later this year, he'll have a product that uh, that will come to market and will be amazing for uh, people on the ski slopes for things like recording your, your vision and stuff without having to have the the silly GoPro on the side of your helmet. So a very different take on things there. Plus, we're going to talk about the Australian Open and the data that that Channel 7 have, essentially, around the Australian Open and how our viewing habits are changing. And uh, that's all to come now. Quickly, before I move on, I will say thank you to uh, Blossom67, uh, who says, great for the older tech geek. These are the iTunes uh, reviews. And thank you to those people who have lodged them. And uh, please, uh, if you get a chance, jump onto your, or your phone or your computer and jump onto iTunes and um, and uh, leave a rating, a star rating. And if you can, please leave a written review because, as I've said a million times, a written review is the best way for uh, other people to discover. Is this something I should listen to? Uh, Blossom67 said, while this would still be good for a younger listener, as an older tech geek, I find it invaluable. I wish I, I always wish I knew more, and Trevor has that knowledge. He helps solve the problems on air and gives great reviews of products. His podcast, Out of CES, was second to none. Thank you very much. It's very nice. And Gary from Canberra, who is a regular tweeter, uh, and you can jump on Twitter at Trevor Long and say good day. Uh, Gary says, after enjoying the banter you have with Mark Parton on 2CC on Tuesday mornings, I decided last year to start listening to your podcast and the two blokes one. I'd rate that five stars, except I can't stand the South Sydney Football Club. Well, that's, that's a bit harsh. Thanks for the show. I like that you bring listeners to the latest technology, household, home-based stuff. I'm mainly interested in getting the best out of my Wi-Fi, Mac products, iOS, and photography, videography. Hope you keep going with the podcasts and specials like the Daily CES podcasts when CES happens. So thank you very much, Gary. Very nice of you. Very good man. And uh, appreciate you leaving those ratings. So um, I'll have a little read and see what other tech news is around. Um, we do it all thanks to the good people at Garmin, Garmin Satellite Navigation and GPS Technology. And as always, um, you know, I don't run through everything that's happening in the world of tech here because we have two blokes talking tech. That's 30 minutes where you can get a, a nice little look at, um, at all things happening in technology with myself and my good mate Stephen Fennick. 
Um, so if you're interested in all the tech news, jump on to uh, jump onto that one as well on Pocket Casts and uh, and everywhere else. To this is your tech life. <laughs> So before we talk to our uh, our innovator and, and inventor, um, I don't know if you've seen the new Apple iPad Air 2 commercial. It's a very funky commercial, fast-paced, shows a million different things happening. And I thought to myself, what are all those apps? And so I got in touch with Apple and we, we created a list of all the apps that are in that commercial. And I know it sounds completely inane, but it's actually very interesting to see the apps that they feature in these things. And what's even more interesting to me is there's actually an Aussie app in there called Kadea, which um, or coder, which helps you learn uh, to to code and, and actually make apps. Now, the um, the funny thing about this is that I understand from the person behind that app, Coda, that you know they didn't know it was going to be featured. They just got a phone call and they were just jumping through hoops. How excited would you be to find out your app, in in, in short or in full, is going to be shown in an Apple commercial globally? So there's a, a whole range of apps there. Well worth checking out if you're interested in those kind of crazy fun things. Um, so, uh, so yes, check that out. I'll put that up at eftm.com.au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. And thank you for listening. Now, a couple of years ago, uh, I remember talking about the, uh, the Dyson Awards, the James Dyson Innovation Awards and Design Awards. And um, there was an interesting product there, which didn't, didn't win, but it was a, it was a runner-up. And uh, it was it, it looked weird as a photo, but the concept was unbelievable. It was the idea of um, a head-up display for a motorbike helmet, and for most important uses, this this had uh, law enforcement capabilities. So, police now sit in their cars on the side of the road with number plate recognition, and they're just constantly scanning and beeping and working out who's who's legal and who's not. Imagine putting that in the idea of a. Um, of a helmet, of a motorbike helmet. So the idea was fantastic. So where's it gone and what's happened as a result of it and what does that mean in terms of the James Dyson Awards? The creator of that, um, Alfred Boyadgis, is on the line. G'day, Alfred. How you going, man? Um, oh, really so, yeah, well. Like, uh, I invented this, uh, uh, the police version of um, the Foresight Helmet about two years ago and that was um, designed to reduce reaction times of... Um, on police officers in congested CBD areas. So, like, the way that all kind of came about was um, I was compelled by a story of an officer that um, was uh, the first to the scene of an accident inside a, tini- a tunnel mm. in uh, Sydney's inner west. And uh, he's hampered by having, um, like, action cams strapped to the helmet, yep. um, comm devices, and uh, also he had to wire into different, like, uh, command centres. Mm. So, as a result of being hampered by these technologies, the reaction times were a lot longer, and it ultimately led to people getting injured and the, the scenario not being controlled to the best ability. So um, the, what I set out to do was to invent a complete system that was automated so when the person got there or the officer got there, they could then contact ambulance, fire brigade, local area command, and they'll have eyes on the situation, and this person would have then control mm. to, um, to reduce those reaction the times. command center so, in the helmet. Yeah, so pretty much, yeah. So Foresight Command Center was like the first um, iteration of our software as well. And um, that was uh, entered into a a multitude of different uh, international design awards. Um, And uh, the James Dyson Award was one of them that recognized um, the the concept as something that was quite novel and now and um, something that uh, since uh, the, like, 
congested CBD areas and things like that is something that is is now global. Um, it was quite relevant. So a couple of years and, on, uh, how yeah. how does that how does a, a a product like that make or break? A couple of years on, you've been able to look back and reflect on it's 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 not a product that's in market, and we'll talk about what you're what you're taking to market. What stops a product like that that is clearly so innovative, is clearly, you know, has potential? What stops it going to the next level? So to, to put a product of that magnitude onto the market, there's a whole range of um, different technologies which we need to develop from scratch because none of it exists. And um, the best way to introduce a product onto the market is through consumer first. And light recreation is where Foresight Alpine plays its biggest role, getting rid of people with like, uh, we like to call them potato heads, with like uh, uh, GoPros and things all stuck to their helmets and it's quite dangerous. So, yeah, so you, and, um, you, you went to the ski fields once and went, hang on a minute, there's all these people who've, who've got the helmets on for protection, but then they're whacking uh, GoPro cameras, they're doing all these different things to, to capture it. <laughs> yeah. and, and you went, hang on a minute, I've got this thing, this, this idea that was originally because of the, the policeman in the tunnel. But you're thinking, yep. well, hang on, the head-up display on, uh, on on that could work here for vision, data. I mean, who goodness knows what. And so you literally are now able to bring to market a product that, well, I mean, the, the ski market is actually probably quite lucrative potentially because, you know, it's a very, it's a very, uh, very cool pastime and people take it very seriously. Yeah, there's, a, there's millions of people worldwide, like the two light, light recreational markets of um, – Skiing, extreme sports, and cycling together equal about $2.2 billion, wow. which dwarfs motorcycling. So, like, um, we wanted to get there and get a saturation of our products out there and people really enjoying it in its most simplest form, mm. which is um, something with full HD footage, the ability to live stream, a little bit of artificial, artificial intelligence thrown in there, and great music and audio communicational experiences. And it was all about, Alpine's all about sharing. Um, the experience of going down the mountain and talking to your friends, albeit cycling as well, um, sharing that experience really smoothly and easily without lots of wires and different devices. And we can do that all in such a, a cost-effective manner. And safety-wise, so, um, there's, there's a huge benefit there. I mean, we talk about the, um, the the incident involving Michael Schumacher, and I'm a massive Formula One fan, so I know a lot about this. And there's talk about the fact that perhaps because he had a GoPro on his helmet, it, it actually reduced the the uh, support that their helmet gives. And if he had have had something that had it all self-contained, perhaps the, the protection might have been there. And not only that, but you're actually building into a technology that says if there's an impact of some, some sort, it can emit a beacon, an emergency beacon. Yeah, yeah. so um, just like an EPUB device, which is an emergency um, beacon signal, this has its yeah. own integrated GPS system, which has enough battery life to do one emergency signal, um, be it uh, a, a massive stop of um, inertial sense, so a, an impact, yep. and it will set it off. It will trigger it automatically and tell ski patrol or local commands or anything like that. But there's also a, a rip tab underneath it. So if you've broken your leg, you're not going to smack your head against the wall three no. times or four times to try and get the <laughs> sensor to go off. So, <laughs> so we've tried to cover all the bases with that sort of stuff as well. And like, Safety is really, really important, but it's also really important to have something that's cool, it looks good, and it, it covers all the other desires. That you desire it, you desire its functionalities over it being a helmet, if you know what I mean. So, so what are you... you want to make what, safety cool. What, <laughs> since, since that original idea, what are, how are you now operating? Are you a, a fully-fledged business? Is there a bunch of staff around you? Or are you still in the, you know, kind of lone wolf, uh, building a product, designing a product, getting it engineered and taking it to market? Oh, no, 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 that's, that's how it started um, a, year, a year ago with Alpine. 
Um, it was me who I'm an industrial designer and mechanical engineer by trade. Um, it was, then I uh, put together my co- with my co-founders, my two co-founders, which yep. is uh, Julian Chow, who's um, a branding and marketing expert and also extreme sports enthusiast and hello. also a designer. Perfect. And hello. Perfect. You know, a marketing enthusiast is what you need, and 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 combined and, with the uh, the extreme sports, there's your man. And then the the, the third co-founder, the three of us, is George, which was from uh, British Aerospace, yeah. and he built like guidance systems for um, unmanned aircraft and all these like crazy devices. And he was the only person that wasn't scared by um, what we were saying about how you know technologically advanced we could be in Australia yeah. and things like that, which scared off a lot of people. Um, so from there, there was three of us, and we've grown to a team of 16 people over the period of a year. Wow. And we're all we're all doing it out of passion. None of us get paid, and we're just building these fantastic products and really enjoying doing it. So, so yeah. So today. what next? Uh, when will we see this thing at uh, extreme sports stores and uh, down the track, uh, maybe even more more widespread? What, what's the what's the retail market, and when and how much? Okay, so. Um, it's going to be around. Uh, I want to have the Alpine out uh, for the next uh, ski season. Well, the, the Northern Hemisphere ski season, so um, Europe, uh, Canada, Colorado. So the end of the year. Um, so we'll be taking pre-orders in about six or seven months, and the entry model of Alpine will come in at under a thousand dollars. Wow. And um, and yeah, but the premium model will be about fourteen hundred dollars. But that will be in like carbon fiber with leather trim. Super good processor, um, crazy camera. I can't, I can't release the exact details, but it's going to be a really kick-ass product. <laughs> so, yeah. take me back so, to the to the James Dyson Award um, and that that process. Obviously, you said it went into multiple awards. So, award programs like that, and you know the respect and support of a company like Dyson, let alone James Dyson. What does that mean to people like you with ideas? Like, is it just the 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 motivation to go? Someone thinks it is good, and I'm going to keep going, or is there more to it? I think these awards are fantastic at recognizing innovation and giving, like, especially younger people inventing things, the courage to put them out into the media and see what people think of them, which is always important. And like, um, also, like prize money could always help kickstart um, yeah. the, the product into into its own development. And so, I think these sort of awards, especially the James Dyson Award, play a, a fundamental role in um, fostering innovation in uh, countries that other would otherwise wise not have a gigantic innovation mm. hub like mm. like Sydney, which is growing rapidly now because of all these types of awards which are coming out. Which that's what I think. That's my my own personal opinion. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, it's a it's an unbelievable uh, idea. I love the. Uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of of acknowledging uh, ideas. A big fan of acknowledging, especially young people. I think, as you as you nailed it, that's that's the point here. The James Dyson Award, the international winner, as you say, gets fifty five thousand um, dollars, and uh, you know the national winner winner. So here in Australia, if, if an Australian entry wins the Australian competition, it's three and a half grand. So there's always a little bump that you can get from these things, and uh, and and it's it's great to be recognised and just talked about. I guess in one sense. So. Mate, yeah. good luck. It's a very exciting for you to have a product that um, could could well be. Um, you, I, I can imagine you now sitting in a, a chateau somewhere, maybe having a few drinks with your with your <laughs> co-founders, watching people come down the mountain wearing the Foresight Alpine. That would be the dream, surely. Well, well, in reality, right now I'm sitting in my garage working on a holographic heads-up display by myself, writing some code. But you know, that's <laughs> I suppose that's the future, I guess. Yeah, um, that's well, awesome. Your analogy. Well, that, I look forward to talking to you about that very soon. Then, <laughs> good yeah, idea, yeah, mate. Yeah. And and good luck with the product, mate. Foresight Alpine later this year.
Thank you so much, mate. See you later. funny when you think about the evolution of of a company and i think about garmin and we we do the show thanks to the good people at garmin satellite navigation gps systems as i scroll through the homepage of garmin they have a like a i think it's seven little icons here of different things i I don't see a car gps now they still sell some of the best car gps's in the market Uh, i saw some great new stuff coming from cs but fitness trackers the phoenix the the smart watches there's so much going on in this space because gps is the power behind all of this stuff and garmin do that better than anyone the approach s6 the world's first golf watch with swing training if you know anyone anyone who's into golf the approach s6 is something they have to see it is fantastic it is so easy to use and it could literally change your game so check it out at garmin.com.au as well as a whole other range of products available from Garmin. It's proud sponsors of Your Tech Life, garmin.com.au. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, Your Tech, Tech Life with Trevor Long. Well, I think uh, most of you would have been watching it some place, some way, some form over the last few weeks, the tennis. And the interesting part about the tennis coverage is, is indicative of really all sports coverage and actually television these days. It's changing. It's changing how we do it. It's changing how we watch it. It's changing how we interact with it. And uh, Yahoo 7 and, and Channel 7 have got a lot of data coming out of the um, out of their coverage of the Australian Open. And their, their CTO, Chief Technology Officer, Craig Penfold's on the line. G'day, Craig. Hey, Trevor. How are you? Mate, really well. It is. It's pretty exciting, really, isn't it, to be able to talk about things other than just Oztam ratings numbers, which was really the case five years ago. Oh, yeah, it's hugely exciting and, and really exciting to be part of a, a big live uh, a live event like the tennis and changing the way that, that consumers view that. Because we can look at one event and I guess uh, let's let's forget the Asian Cup, but like the Socceroos game on Saturday night was a big single event that, you know, maybe watched in many ways. But when you, Channel 7, put on a 14-day coverage of a tournament in Melbourne that crosses, uh, a lot of people wouldn't understand, but, you know, the number of courts you've got to cover, the uh, the cameras, the producers, the directors, all those different things that are involved, that's the back end, which used to just result in a single TV uh, channel coverage. Now you've got the ability to push out multiple live streams. And what you've been able to release uh, over the last uh, 24 hours is data about actually what's happening there. And, and we're seeing that, for example, one of the biggest shifts I think is fundamental is streaming. The, the, the online content is now shifting hugely towards tablets and mobiles. Exactly. We, uh, over, over the tenants, we had 70% of all our streams on a tablet or a mobile device. Right. That's amazing. Uh, we also, it, it is amazing. It's, it's, it's astounding how much people wanted to do this. And, and what do you think drives that? Is it uh, is it a second screen environment? Is it um, is it the 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 place you are? I mean, do we have any idea of why? I mean, I, I get that the TV is there and it's big, but then you could be elsewhere. But the TV is still huge. It's it's the best way to watch a coverage. Is it a complementary uh, viewing that they're doing? It definitely is. We we're hearing feedback from our users that they while they were watching one court on on Channel Seven. Uh, they were able to watch another court that they were interested in on their tablet, and that's not um, that's not going to go away. I think uh, with great interest about what you've got coming. You now have the uh, you've got the Olympic rights back again. Um, an event like the Olympics is is probably the biggest deal in terms of um, seeing this kind of technology come to fruition. 
But, geez, the 14 days at the Australian Open is a massive test for both the, the front end, the back end, the technology in between, the streaming, because it all has to work. You see, people expect that TV will turn on and be there. We can't have buffering and, and you know issues like that on, on mobile devices, can we? Exactly right. People have this expectation that it's going to work. And uh, you, as, you, as you said, we, we can't change the dates of the tennis. So we have those 14 days to get it right, and we have to get it right from day one. How far out does, does Channel 7, I mean, you're, you're in a, a very senior position at Channel 7 in terms of the technology. How far out do you have to think about technology? So, for example, social media. Uh, you know, massive increase this year in the social media engagement, up about 150%. How do you? How far out do you have to think about the technology that you need to have to be able to filter that, to be able to bring it in, to be able to then you know disseminate it across your platforms? It's not some, not a decision you can make the day before the event. No, definitely not. But uh, on the flip side, the technology is changing so quickly that you can't plan a year out as well because right. in a year's time, technology will be completely different. That's a very good point. So you can't tell us what's going to be at the Australian Open next year. We can say that it's going to be bigger and better than this year. <laughs> of course, of <laughs> this, course. this year was uh, it was really about learning, really trying to see what worked, what didn't, what our users loved, and next year is going to be even better. And even though uh, I think four out of every five pieces of video content streamed in the app were were the live streams. There's still a real importance to having all that extra stuff. You had a lot of short form clips. You had stuff happening that was all pre-recorded or highlights. And I guess it's really important to have that stuff and then push that stuff out because those are the things that keep people engaged in the platform. Yeah, exactly. And people love those little short form clips. They love being able to go and see the press releases afterwards and just find all the little highlights that they wanted to see. How do you find the ideas? Is it innovative uh, smart companies that come to you and say, we, we can do this for you? Or is it teams of people that, that brainstorm events and then go out and find how you do it? Uh, for the tennis, we worked on this together with Seven. And I mean, the brief was pretty clear that we wanted to have a, a really comprehensive, immersive experience across every device that our users were on, whether it was TV, whether it was mobile, whether it was the desktop. And we then started brainstorming as a, as a group between Yahoo 7 and Channel 7 to figure out what that actually looked like. We were able to test it a little bit um, beforehand too because we did the entire summer of tennis, not just the Australian Open. So the Brisbane International, the Keyon Classic, the Hotman Cup and the Sydney International, which helped us test and iterate and, and make changes and, and update as we went ready, and ready for the Australian Open. So you're the CTO at Yahoo 7, and Yahoo 7 is a separate organization to Channel 7 with you know shared ownership and different things. But how hard is it to ensure that you have a direct kind of communication line between a, a huge television broadcaster with, with a clear focus on television and television ratings and television revenue, and then the, the ideas that you've got? Because you, one of your ideas may, may take up resources, may take up part of the budget. I mean, it's, it must be a challenging thing to, to get some of those ideas through the filter. It can be, but for, for this event, it was, a, it was a true collaboration between the two companies. Yeah. We were spending every day talking to each other and coming up with new ideas. We had teams both in Sydney and in Melbourne during the event 
uh, working closely together between broadcasts and and uh, the web side of things and the, the mobile side of things. And it's interesting, really. I talked about the Oztams earlier. Oztams, I should say, for people that aren't uh, in in the media much. That's the measurement agency for how many people are watching television. You've got this whole new thing where, for example, one of the stats I saw was that during the fifteen consecutive days of of around the the tournament, the Seven Sport app, both iPad and iPhone versions, were number one. In, uh, in in the sports category, which is another great way of going, well, this is still tracking well, because if it dropped off, uh, you know, leading towards the final, you'd be wondering what was going on, wouldn't you? Exactly, and it's a great thing about apps uh, and, and the, the feedback mechanism you can get there with reviews and ratings that we can see exactly what our users are wanting and the new functionality they're needing so we can come up with plans for how, how to better service that. How much of that are you doing literally during the event? So, you know, a couple of weeks is a long time for an event to run. Are you looking at, for example, how an app is being utilised by, by consumers during an event to determine how perhaps it should change during the event or is it only really going to change for the next event? So, for example, you know, the mega wall, the kind of multi-stream options – if you see that people are never choosing the bottom right-hand corner one, are you, are you just assuming that's because of the content there or do you try and go, well, maybe we need to change the way this is laid out? Those kind of things probably can't be done on the fly, can they? It's a challenge to do them on the fly, but having said that, uh, we went through about 30 different releases for our Android app during the, during the event. Wow. Uh, and during throughout the month of January. So we were definitely iterating as we went and, and learning and trying new things. Um, the Mega Wall, we were experimenting with with the different videos that work. So later on mm. in the tournament, you saw much more of the uh, the spider cam or the the player cams and and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's an unbelievable space and uh, and the the merging of you know television and online and the multi platforms is a really exciting thing. Probably most particularly for sport. Is there another genre that that is as exciting in terms of the potential for innovation in television? Well, I mean, reality TV is an interesting one too, and we haven't really explored this too much yet. But that interaction between uh, live voting shows and and, and the desktop or, or tablet experience yeah. is, is something that we can we, we're definitely going to be looking at in the future as well. Well, it's very exciting. You did a great job. I heard a wonderful feedback about the uh, the Seven Sport app and, and the live streams during the event. So you and your team should be very proud of that at Yahoo Seven, and uh, and it complimented more than ever, and probably. Uh, it complements an underplaying of the of the status of the Yahoo Seven role in the in the coverage now, really, isn't it? Because um, it it sort of says that it sits beside this major thing, but really they are they are equally as important as each other. Yeah, it's very much a partnership. So thanks for that. We're, we're very proud of it as well. Very excited with how it went. We wait with interest to see what you do with the next big event, mate. Congratulations and thanks for chatting. Great, thanks, Trevor. Sound crazy what I'm about to say But Trevor Long's the world's best techie He's the kind of guy we picked on at school And it wasn't fair but he don't care he's cool The voice just isn't up to it, I'm sorry.
It's it feels okay, but then it seems weird. Uh, so thank you for listening and putting up with me there for a bit. Um, I thought because I'm cutting it shortish, I'm going to recommend a couple of podcasts that I listen to lately. Now uh, I can't go past recommending Paul and Rach, which is a good mate Paul Murray and uh, his friend Rachel Corbett, um, and they've used the EFTM studio in the past to. Um, to, to record it's um it's a bit of a not safe for work uh, not in front of the kids kind of podcast it's an fm radio show without the music without the breaks and without the structure that fm uh, radio stations put in place and it's bloody great fun to listen to i use it as my kind of drive home and the other one if you're like me which is probably not true because not many people like me who love radio as much as i do but it's a couple of blokes called matt and bruno now these are Behind the scenes, guys, as, as kind of I've been over the years in radio, Bruno uh, worked with Kyle Sandylands and, and has worked at 4BC and a million other places. Matt is uh, was a producer also on the Today FM Breakfast Show and is currently producing Merrick Watts on uh, Triple M. And they're just a couple of blokes who want to chat about radio and they chat with great people. Brennan Jones, Amanda Keller, Jane Kennedy, Jackie O, Peter Ford, Ross Stevenson, Ben Fordham. You know what? Really cool stories, really nice behind-the-scenes media stuff, and I, I quite enjoy it. So uh, check those out, and uh, you'll find them on Pocket Casts and on iTunes. Um, I appreciate your support. Jump on the Twitter, say day at Trevor Long, at Your Tech Life, or at EFTM. Jump on the website and send me an email so I can help you out and take your calls. I'll get back to calls next week, so sorry if I didn't get to you this week. I just struggle to talk to my wife, let alone into a microphone sitting on my own here in the studio. So I'll be back next week, hopefully sounding my normal self uh, on Your Tech Life. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading.